Welcome to Design Me a House. This is architect, designer, author Katie Hutchison. And with me is Dawn Oliveira, textile designer and educator. Today is episode 10 of our podcast. Today we have with us Dory Skemp, Dory Boland Skemp holds a bachelor's degree in historic preservation from Roger Williams University and has been a licensed realtor in Rhode Island and Massachusetts for over 30 years. Her work in preservation and real estate often overlap, especially with Rhode Island having a huge stock of 18th and 19th century structures, which often have become available on the market for sale. Currently a board member at the Bristol Historical and Preservation Society for nearly 40 years, and president for nine of those years. She was a member and later the chair of the first historic district commission in Bristol, Rhode Island, as well as a former board member at the Friends of Linden Place and the Rhode Island Alliance for Historic District Commissions. Welcome, That's Dory. Thank you. Hi, Dory. Thank you. We're thrilled to have you. Well, I'm excited to be here. So now we should, I think up front, we need to say, Dawn, that you and Dory have worked together. Yes, we have, because when I moved from New York to Bristol many years ago, I actually purchased a historic home in downtown Bristol with Dory as my real estate broker. It was a Harrishoff house. It was absolutely adorable. A fabulous house. Yes. And what year would that house have been? 1882. Right. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Yep. And then, and then Dawn updated it in really very sympathetic way. It's wonderful. Yeah, it was still simple enough, but we, we did open up the kitchen and the living room, so just each room wasn't so small and dark. And nice. uh, it was lovely, very nice. And believe it or not, the Harris Shop house that I purchased was once owned by a boat builder who had eight children. I'm one of eight. We oh had my a, gosh. It was just it was just really so odd. So now Hairshoff Hairshoff is a boat builder, but you're saying another boat builder or Hairshoff? It was himself? the home was owned and lived in by someone who worked for Hairshaw. Okay. He was a boat builder. And I don't know if he built the house that I bought or and he right. lived in or not, but it the work inside, as Dory knows, was exquisite. I believe that house was built by the quote plural boat builders who worked for that's the what I was told when they weren't busy building boats. Yeah, so it was built by boat builders for it to be used for the people who worked for the company. That's right. That's right. right. And so that's and why I had a I had a double lot behind that house because there were so many kids. They wow. gave this guy a little extra land, is what I was told. Dory, you know a lot because I'm sure. I mean. You've been on the committees for so long. There's so much history in these homes downtown. Well, those yeah. homes, um, there are several of them. You were surrounded by them. There were a bunch of them along your street. That's right. Um, several of them. And um, they all came down and also out onto Burton Street. The couple mm -hmm. went out that way as well. And um, they ended up coming down to a descendant. And then she died. And they all, I think there were seven of them, all of them came on the market at once. Really? Yes, and they were done by a sealed bid to by the bank had a sealed bid process. And so everyone who bought that, bought a house, did it by that um, bid. Wow. wow. It was interesting. It was very, and everybody was, you know, fascinated by it. They had an open house one day of all the Harrisoff houses that were in the sealed bid and um, there were hundreds of people who came 
I'm really excited, yeah, about it. Well, that was before I got here, I'm sure, before I moved here. But wow, well, I I loved it. I'm I miss it, but you know, I did sell it uh, several years ago. Um, but it was um, it was absolutely beautiful. I was happy to to live in it for a while. I'd never lived in a historic home before, or never attempted renovation of a historic okay, home. Before. Perfect, perfect little segue. <laughs> yeah. Because one of the reasons we have Dory here is we want to talk about the overlap of real estate and design. And I think because of Dory's expertise in um, mm-hmm. historic properties in particular, maybe Dory, you could introduce for us just a basic definition of what, what qualifies a house as a historic house. Well, according to the National Park Service, a house must be 50 years old to qualify as a historic house, which is actually kind of interesting because uh, now what's come in well, more recently is that mid-century modern from the 1950s and all those ranch houses, uh-huh. some of them super unique um, that appeared then, and they are all considered historic now, and they're very popular with buyers because of the really? level of living, yes, when they do show up. Um, they don't always show up, and sometimes they show up with a lot of interesting original kitchen features, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, the stainless steel and the color, and it's, it's interesting how they have, they're now part considered historic. Yeah, yeah, historic modernism. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, Dory, I think we we're going to touch on a number of topics today, but I think we wanted to start off with kind of accenting, if we could, some of the positive sides of owning a historic property. What you feel um, is a plus side of of being an historic property owner. Well, Don can attest to this. Um, yeah, it's kind of I mean, a pride. It, it's a pride. And there's, you know, there's an, I, for me, I'm a, as a designer, appreciated all the details of the house because no one builds homes like that anymore. And it wasn't ostentatious or over-designed. It was just beautiful, simple, trim work. Um, this, like I mentioned, that staircase, that curved staircase that was just exquisitely built. No one builds like that today. So to live in that space is, you know, I appreciate every day when I wake up and walk through the house, the home that I'm living in. So, I mean, we did change a lot of features when we renovated, but like there were pocket doors that opened on to this living room that you could just imagine Victorian times, you know, people living in those spaces. We opened that part up, but it was lovely. And as a designer, I appreciated that. So there's one thing right there, okay, kind of pride of ownership, appreciation of the quality that maybe you can't get for today's money. And Dory had mentioned also putting in, when you buy a home like that and start a renovation process and you're putting in your own sweat equity, that it, it increases the value of the home. If and you're that working is exactly, on it yourself, right? And that's exactly what you did. You yes, that's the value exactly that what I did. By a lot. A lot, yes. Not just me. My brother-in-law did most of the work. He was a fabulous carpenter. But, but yeah. it was your eye. But it was yeah. your eye. Thank you, Dory. Yeah, yeah and I have photos. I found all the photos that Dory okay. took of my home just before I sold it that we're going to add to the blog because they're Perfect. Beautiful. That was going to be beautiful. one of my questions. Because, yes. of course, I'm dying to see it. Just yeah. Oh, them. you have never seen those photos, Kate. I can't believe I've I never have seen not. Them. I know. So, so I'm looking forward to it. Okay, good. Um, okay, so we've touched on um, sweat equity as being a plus side, if you can put that into your historic property. 
Um, there were some other things, Dory, that you had um, mentioned as kind of assets or, or reasons that a uh, historic property can be worth owning or an attractive thing to own. Um, what about just being in a historic district? How does that play in? Well, it's interesting because some people, when they look at a house, say, oh, no, it's in a historic district. I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do. And you have all these ah. you know, restrictions and that type of thing. But generally, if you do it right and you present good illustrations of what you want to do uh -oh. to a historic district commission, and the commission only um, regulates the exterior, or it could regulate the interior if somehow it affected the exterior, uh -huh. if that makes any sense. But um, generally, they'll work with you. If you're trying to put vinyl, it's not going to work. You know, vinyl, <laughs> aluminum siding, all yeah, of that. Yeah, so you have to have an appreciation work. for the original materials, certainly. And you do, and then also an appreciation for repairing rather than replacing. So, ah. for, for instance, windows, they really want you to repair. See, Katie and I have talked about that on this, on my very, on that house, on House Street. So, mm -hmm. yeah, about repairing windows. And I have that issue now in the house I'm in in Warren. Um, it needs all the windows to be repaired. Really? And actually, before I do those, um, I am going to go to the local historic district commission which in Warren, it's really rather voluntary. Um, but still, I'm going to go for a couple of reasons. One, further advice, but um, I'm going to do storm windows, new storm windows. The ones I have uh -huh. are very old. And if you can get the storm windows tight and good. There you go. That's what I out. should have done as well. Yes. And then the other issue that goes on is that um, those those windows in my house are, are 220 yep. years old. Mm -hmm. And you get a vinyl window, it's going to last 20 to 30 years tops. So yeah. you really are doing it. But it can be expensive to have them re repaired. But um, that's the step I'm going in, is I'm going to get um, the new storm windows. And, and then, there are manufacturers who make storm windows specifically targeting the historic market. Ah. So they have very thin profile lines. So they're not like these, like I have unfortunate triple track storms. Ah. You know, so they have a much smaller, they're meant mm -hmm. to be less seen, essentially. Well, mm -hmm. they're, pretty, they're pretty generous, um, Historic District Commission, about the storm windows uh, as far as what they'll allow. I mean, it can't be totally, you know, clunky, but they're generous because they want the original windows inside of them. To remain, uh -huh. so, uh -huh. and that's what's really important. I work often with a, a local preservation contractor. I was just asking him the other day about um, storm windows, and he has a company that he recommends to do the storm windows. Great. And they'll cost about, he said, about $230 a window to uh -huh. have the storms put on, um, which is probably less than the cost of actually repairing my my windows and the trouble with the windows they've got lead paint on them they have, so they have to be uh, I went through that as well yeah yep. and you have to be careful about mm -hmm. children or pregnant women and you know that type of thing with lead so you want to get and windows when they move they create dust I and mean, we can't even see it but if there's lead paint on the windows there's dust filtering into the house so there's ways to address that, 
um, with metal strips and there's other ways to do it. Mm -hmm. My way is in the immediate, since I don't have any babies in the house, is to, and I'm not getting pregnant either, so <laughs> is to actually um, work first on the storms. So Dory, let's just revisit a little bit about what it's like to live in a historic neighborhood and how that could be valuable to a homeowner. Living in a historic neighborhood is actually, in my opinion, it's fun. Um, we all have a certain camaraderie because we all live in historic houses and we have, <clears throat> have our pluses. Um, for instance, um, you know, just, just talking to your neighbors and you have the same points of discussion if you're going to do something on your house. It's kind of fun. And then people go in each other's houses and, and look and see what you've done. And, and it's fun when you do a project in the house, a dog knows, you get mm -hmm. a room done and you're so excited. Yeah, right. You, know, you sit there and you just stare. Remember I had, when I first moved into this house, I had to have part of the roof, you know, re-shingled. And when I gave the roofer the check, I said, you know, the worst thing about this is I can't see the roof. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I also had the heating system redone. I can't That's right. see that. But when you go in and you start painting or um, re redoing kitchen, and it, like Dawn, I'm very big on modern bathrooms and yes. up-to-date kitchens inside a historic house. And we did that. Yes. So, um, so the people that are moving into these historic neighborhoods, are they, <clears throat> are they young? Are they millennials? Are they, you know? Well, there, there's a lot of talk about how millennials are just really interested in historic because they like the urban lifestyle and they like uh -huh. going to locally to be able to walk to a restaurant. Right. I do too. To we all do. Gallery. Yeah. Yeah art gallery or walk to get your coffee and yeah. up and in the morning and, and in my neighborhood it's just constant people walking their dogs and there was a man who walked by the other day who didn't even live near us he said i just <laughs> love walking in this neighborhood and, yeah. uh, and it is it's it's a very um yeah architecturally it's really fascinating just like it is in newport and you know other mm -hmm. towns in new england they're beautiful structures Right, and there are some areas like, for instance, Detroit has some very urban and blighted neighborhoods, and it is millennials just moving in there, really working on restoring some of the neighborhoods, and because they can afford to buy them, right? Because they can the afford to pricing buy them. is at a point where they can afford, just like in New York back in the seventies and eighties, you could afford to buy something and put the sweat equity into it, right? Exactly, and it's. Um, and that sort of, you know, it, it, it's a, they like it because it's a huge, in their case, they're not gentrifying it too much because it's huge swaths of people who are also, as you say, we can everybody can afford to buy. Mm -hmm. And then um, they have programs, I'm, you know, with loans or low interest, sure. interest free loans and whatnot. But it's kind of exciting if they want to go back and it proves that living in a city and walking around, and if you need to get out to the country, you take a car and go out. And to so, the are a lot of the homes that you're talking about in Detroit are they historic homes from yes. the 1800s or um, they're more, a little later? I would say a little later than that, around yeah. the turn of the century. Hmm. I'm not exactly sure. What you know, we're we're in New England. Are you finding millennials interested in historic properties in New England, or is it a pricing issue? Um, well, it could be both. Millennials. 
some millennials make a lot of money so they can afford to go in and, and buy a historic house and then do the total renovation. Mm. Um, but older people, um, sort of younger retired people also can afford to do that and go in and buy and then have a contractor, hopefully a preservation contractor come in and do the work for them. And that's gone on in this neighborhood as well. Um, and also- I will Bristol, say that right just, now, it's fantastic. Right now, Dory, in Bristol, it seems like the homes that do go on the market downtown in the historic district are gone in a week or two. Yeah. I don't know totally. who's purchasing Today, the home. Sometimes. It's, it's two wild. Days. It's a mixture. It's a mixture of the home, of people, both from that that group, um, well, the early retired, I yeah. would say, and then there are also people who are purchasing in Bristol. We have a number of them who are. Um, from cities who like Boston or New York, especially mm -hmm. with the pandemic, we're getting a exactly. ton of New Yorkers and uh, Boston even who just want to be in a smaller little yeah. Place. But they don't want to leave. They don't want suburban either. They really want the urban feel or the small town feel. Yep, I totally get that. That's why I moved to downtown Bristol because it just has this charm Me that too. no Me other too. area of Bristol has. Then the first house I bought in Rhode Island was in 1972. And with Katie asking what you liked about it, we determined, we knew that we were going to buy in a downtown area. We had looked, mm -hmm. um, before coming to Bristol, we had looked in Wickford, and there was not a single historic house available in wow, Wickford. Okay. And that yep. realtor in 1972 had a book. There were no computers in those days. She had a right. book and said, you know, if you like Wickford so much, you're going to love Bristol. So we went over to Bristol and we bought the, the house, the Russell Warren house on State Street. Oh, and Russell was, Warren. I yeah. read about him, Dory. Yeah. Yep. Katie, well, I'll let Dory finish and then yep. I want to say something for Katie about him. Katie, do you know about Russell Warren? I don't know. I mean, I know okay. the name, but I don't know about Russell Warren. Okay. So he was an architect of uh, great. And a builder. Yes. He was started as a builder and then he sort of worked his way into being an architect. Uh -huh. And he built a lot of homes in Bristol, grand ones like Linden Place. Really? Um, yes. And then also smaller ones. And I um, bought the one on State Street. And when you asked about what you liked about being in the house, when I got in the house before and was waiting for the moving van and I'm walking around the house and I'm going, this is so perfect. This house, these, the walls, everything is in perfect alignment. It was perfectly designed. The, um, the relationships were just amazing. And I would just go around, this is so perfect. This is so perfect. I loved it so much. That was a great, great house. And Russell well, Warren, go ahead. You talk about. Yeah, well, what I read about him, Katie, was this was interesting. Like, he was a well-known builder. He was supposedly, supposedly very inventive with his work. And he was noted for his part in the professionalization of architecture and the separation of the roles of the designer and the builder. How uh, interesting oh, is that? that? That's a it divide is. that has caused that's quite a divide, an issue a great over divide. the years. I, I yeah. just found that fascinating. And what's also fascinating about him as he moved from, you know, his first houses were really federal style houses right. that are in the downtown. And then he moved, she just sort of moved into the designs as they were coming along, like then he sort of moved into Greek Revival, 
Then he moved into Victorian, early Victorian. For instance, um, Linden Place was 1810, sort of a big, gaudy, almost gaudy, um, you know, federal period house. And then he also built Longfield, uh, which was 1848. Now, where's that Longfield? That is the house on Hope Street, 1200 Hope Street that has been on the market for the last six years. Oh, that one. I do have to tell you that I sold that house. Oh. I've had it listed for six years. And last, I remember. last Wednesday, I closed on it. <gasps> Wonderful. Congratulations. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. Well, wow. I've yes. been loving that house over the years from the street. You know, oh, I, I'm so glad it found an owner because it's, you know, I hate this expression that something has a good bones, you know, but it, it really... It was yeah. such an interesting structure. So I, I love it that someone's, you know, well, I think of these owners as saving these structures. Well, in this case, um, it's a developer and he's going uh-huh. to make, he's very sensitive. He's working with the architect. He's very sensitive to historic. And so the house is in great disrepair. And yeah. it's going to take, <laughs> it take a couple of million to do that house, right? Wow. Yeah. So, wow. Um, so that house is going to be divided into two condos, and then there's going to be ah. three more buildings on the site to the south toward the medical center and to the east with another eight condo units. So it's not interesting. Perfect. Wow, are they going to be built and designed in in like um, in the same sensitive yes. architecture think, as the original I think house? So. I think so. I've huh. seen the drawings and whether anything changes. Um, I've seen the preliminary drawings. Oh, that's fantastic, Dory. It's as good as it can get because for someone to purchase it as a single family, which is, of course, that would be the perfect solution, and buy it and then put a couple million dollars into it, there's no way they get their equity back. They'd have to wait 25 or 30 years before they're able to get that back. It's a big house, yeah. It's huge. It's it's over 5,000 square feet. Wow. It's so interesting that you mentioned this because this is one of the things I wanted to bring up because um, my husband and I used to live in Salem, Mass. And oh, we lived Salem in. Is wonderful. Yes, yes. So it's full of antique homes. And we lived in a sea captain's house. Uh, it was Georgian, 1768. And it had oh, been divided wow. into four condominium units because it was a center, you know, it was a symmetrical center entrance Georgian. It divided very easily into mm. four. So we had a quadrant, we had like an upper second and third story. But the thing that was, I thought was fantastic about it was we were A, saving this just spectacular building and B, um, there were four different households living in this, what was a 5,500 square foot single family residence originally. And then it got divided up. Um, And it was a way to preserve the building, but it was also a way for people like us to get into a more affordable home. There you go. And sure. because the units were different sizes was the other thing. They divided it up so there were two smaller units and two bigger units. So it was able to accommodate, um, you know, it was even more affordable when it was the even the smaller unit. Mm-hmm. So you had um, an, an, a four-unit condominium is a very manageable condominium. You know, there were just, so we just managed it. You know, there was a representative from sure. each unit, but it was just the four households and we worked together to restore the building. And because it's four people trying to get the money together to restore this place, four, not four people, four households, it's just more affordable way. And you were preserving the architecture and making affordable 
housing. So to think that, I mean, not technically affordable housing, but more affordable housing. So to think that something like that's happening in Bristol, in that home that you just sold, and then the addition of the new units, I mean, I think that's a really interesting model. I don't know if we'll Well, see more of that. Um, What's nice is what's providing the unit, the additional unit, are going to provide the money for restoring the house. And that's sort of the way Uh, the developer has looked at it because he's very concerned about keeping the exterior and what a lot of the um, interior elements are gone. Not all of them, though. Talk about stairways, Don. It has the most elegant stairway you ever see. Oh, my goodness. i got to get in there, Dory. Well, for our listeners, I'm hoping, Dory, on uh, on the blog post, I'm hoping maybe you have some photos. That oh, we that would be great. Share, um, so oh, people can see photos. kind of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'll send you over some photos. That would be fantastic. So, oh, these will be great visuals on this episode. That's wonderful. That's But so because we haven't really touched that much on the sustainability of historic um, homes, but because it seems somewhat, you don't even need to say it, it would seem. But yes, right? It's important. One of the reasons to preserve these is it's more sustainable to, to have something that exists than to start from scratch. Right. Well, it depends on how you go about it. For instance, the Warren Historic District Commission, and Bristol does not offer this, but Warren does, is um, they will give you a, a sort of a break on your local property taxes up to 20% of your project. So Going back to storm windows, if I have to spend $4,000 on storm windows, you know, I can get a certain amount of that taken off my tax oh, that's bill, which is helpful. a sweet, it's a sweet thing. Helpful. Yeah. Now, if it's commercial, if it is a commercial building, historic, and it's turned into a commercial building of some sort, you can still, there's not a lot of money left, but you can do a tax act project where you would get um, so money back. And, and that has to be for income producing property. So, uh-huh. um, and that, and so you'll see some of these big houses turn into apartments because they have to be income producing mm-hmm. and then after, for five years. And then after five years, all of a sudden you see them being sold as condos. And mm-hmm. um, it's that way to work with that. And an individual homeowner can sometimes get a partial tax credit, a smaller one, if they have a um, part of their house as a um, as an income property in their house. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I were to rent out part of, you know, you could do that. You can you can adjust it to work it that way. So it was great. Excellent. So I say three cheers for renovating historic homes. If, if you can afford to do that and you appreciate the value and the design aspects um, they're wonderful neighborhoods to live in. Yeah, okay. actually, I think that's a really good way to go out because I think we're kind of wrapping yeah. up this episode. And uh, I, I think that puts it pretty nicely. Uh, Dory, I know it was short. It goes really fast, but we really no. appreciated having you on and getting your Thank input. You so Dory's going to have to come back. Yeah, well, I'm sure. You are my favorite people. I'm great <laughs> to be really Thanks, both Dory. of you. And I didn't even know you knew each other. Yeah, so it's uh, so we all know each other. Right. All right. 
So thank you so much, Dory and Dawn. And uh, until next time, Design Me a House people, um, please go to our website, designmeahouse.com. If you are listening to the podcast and you enjoy it, please write us a review because that helps other people find the podcast. And please share it with your friends. Send questions and, you know, feedback, comments, ideas. Uh, The email address is info at designmeahouse.com. Thank you so much. Thanks, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.